Brittany Ross, and I play the fiddle. I'm Catherine Flincham, and I play the pipe. And together, we are Fiddle and Pipe. Two classical musicians who are reading and discussing topics beyond the staff. So grab a book, take a seat, and tune in. <laughs> On that awkward note, I guess we should uh, start this episode. So uh, my name is Brittany Ross. Uh, I am the co-host of uh, Fiddle and Pipe, and you are listening to a wonderful episode of Fiddle and Pipe. What is this name of this podcast? I clearly need more coffee. <laughs> David took most of the coffee in the pot today, and it pissed me off because he's like, he works from home, right? So this is my husband. He works from home, so he like gently like rubbed my shoulders. He's like, how are you doing? Like, how'd you like sleep? And I'm like, oh, I slept you know, pretty good, all things considering. He's like, by the way, I took most of the coffee this morning, so I don't know if you're going to have enough. And I'm like, okay, rough start. And I poured it, and it was like a quarter of a cup. And I'm like, hmm. You son of a bitch. It's not going to work. Why didn't he just yeah. brew more? That's just my thing. I don't know. <laughs> That's what I said. I was like, why don't you don't brew more? And he's like, I can't. I have to be on a call. <laughs> but you got it. And I'm like, oh, you dumb bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I was angry. Um, so that's where my head is at right now. So um, I'm currently uncaffeinated. Uh, we also have Catherine Flincham. Who is also uncaffeinated right now. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, because it's my... like 8 o'clock your time. It's 8, it's 8 a.m. my time, but also um, speaking of coffee makers. So I have this coffee maker. It's like a dual like coffee and espresso maker mm-hmm. that I got at Target because... I don't think it was smart of me because it was more of like a last minute, like I need coffee purchase and I just bought it. Impulse purchase. Yeah. <laughs> well, cause my other coffee maker broke. So I was like, I need something to replace right. that so I can, you know, survive. <laughs> and, um, I did not do well, good research into buying this because my drip coffee maker is now dead <laughs> and I've had it for like a year or like over a year past the warranty mark and I'm like damn it so I haven't had drip coffee in a really long time and I'm living off the espresso side but it's really not doing justice for that side so I am surviving (laughs) slowly it's terrible but Uh. anyway (laughs) I am here my name is Catherine hi Catherine (laughs) um we also have two guests on our podcast one is a reoccurring guest and one is a new guest Mm-hmm. Would you like to inter- do the introductions this time, Catherine? I feel like you've been rocking it. Oh, have I? Oh, gosh. Um, pressure. <laughs> you know him. You love him. His name is Rainer. Um, he is Yay. back with us. And also, aren't you the lead singer of Concrete Supergun? God, I am. And just so everyone knows, I am fully caffeinated today. So, good to go. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> we are glad you are with us. You were such a low-key person. I feel like if you weren't caffeinated, you would just be like... <laughs> up <laughs> happy with me you can't tell on the outside like i look the same but on the inside i'm a little lamp <laughs> i just like how your eyes just like bulge a little bit if you could see my leg right now my leg is like is like jittering like this tapping really yeah. loosely. he's vibrating below hey <laughs> that's what she said <laughs> And then our second guest, uh, very new, uh, she is the host of the Culture Cult Travel Show and um, a new podcast. Is it? Start that pod. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, she is here with us today speaking with Midnight Library. This is Marie Walker. So welcome, Marie. Um, I do have caffeine in my body, but I don't need it because I'm such a hyper person. So... (laughs) 
I don't need it. I need that energy. Those lucky for you. Weird flex. <laughs> <laughs> I have caffeine, but it's not because I'm an addict. It was purely a choice. I only do it because of social pressure. I wish I had that. <laughs> um, but also, can I put y'all on one? So I kind of been switching, not like a hard switch, but I've discovered lavender earl gray tea and then i discovered chai tea and yes we all know that this for thousands of years Mm. but i ice it overnight (laughs) and then i go get the brown sugar oat milk from trader joe's holy shit it's better than coffee game changer fight me what'd you say it's a game changer sounds like it is and it's lots of vitamin c (sighs) and all kinds of things so i'm kind of been drinking that lately so i just want to put y'all on one switch to tea we should we should probably talk oh, about yeah. Sorry. So the reason we're here. <laughs> I, I love that we all get along so well, but <laughs> we're gonna be here forever if we don't start. Yeah. Alright, so love I like how everyone's like readjusting themselves. We're like, get oh ready. we just have like uh, I know. Oh, man, we're gonna have a lot of outtakes for Patreon. I wish I had coffee anyway. Check us out. <laughs> uh patreon.com slash fiddle and pipe for our twenty minute intro. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's some stuff in there y'all won't want to miss. Oh, gosh. So I have to, like, refresh with what happened because it's been a hot minute since we recorded an episode. Just we had there was a death in my extended family or David's extended family. There was a time change mix up because we're recording in three different time zones. My bad, y'all. Woo! Multitasking. <laughs> it, it's okay. Whenever we're, Catherine and I schedule with each other, Catherine has just gotten to the habit of putting everything in Eastern time because do you know how many conversations we've had? Because she's in Colorado. Yeah. So we're just like, wait, is this mountain time or is this Eastern time? <laughs> it's so confusing. It really is. Time change is dumb. I don't understand why we can't all be in the same time. Don't tell me it's because of the sun. I'm tired of that argument. <laughs> sun has had its time. It needs to step out of the out of the spotlight and let us have our time. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. All right. So if y'all remember our last episode, last section, what happened was that uh, Nora tried to do the rock star life and it just didn't work out for her. She found out that her brother died of a drug overdose and she was on this sad diet and she couldn't eat those beautiful Brazilian honey cakes. Something happened in Portugal that we never found out about. Yeah. We just get this like weird allusion to something happening in portugal so not illusion i need more coffee <laughs> what's the word same here they allude to something that happens in, in ah that's there the word go. right there <laughs> it, it was alluded to so nora gets back to the library and she's obviously super upset because joe is dead or was dead in that life and she yells at miss elm to basically make this whole process stop it's awful she hates it doesn't want to go into another life um miss elm is like are you sure because i just i feel like you know you're trying all these lives out so you actually might want to live and Nora's like no this like fucking sucks (laughs) uh just honestly shoot me now which honestly same is something that i say whenever i have like a minor inconvenience like i stub my toe and i'm like oh my god i'm gonna kill myself So and that's how Nora felt. Yeah, except maybe not a exactly. small inconvenience. Like hers is a little bit more valid. So she reaffirms it. And then the library is super shaken when Nora says that she doesn't want to try another book or another life. Miss Elm tries to console her because I think Miss Elm doesn't want to, you know, dissipate and doesn't want the whole library to dissipate. So she's like, you know, remember how you felt when you were, 
you know, about to fight that polar bear and you wanted to live. And Nora's like, yeah, I felt really alive. And then the library stabilizes, which is good. She realizes that even... I kind of felt really weird about putting this on paper, but she realizes that even bad experiences serve a purpose. And the reason why I felt weird about putting that on paper is because I feel like then you get the the next thought after that is like, well, everything happens for a reason, which is always said to people who go through like extreme tragedy <laughs> or like yeah. something really traumatic. And I feel like that's a very dickish thing to say to someone. <laughs> the thing that I thought of growing up in a very religious household is that verse that People always like to trot out about how uh, all things work for the glory of God. So, like, anything that happens, he's going to use it for good. And, like, cool. So that's why this person had to die because it was part of – anyway. that's, that's yeah, That was the it, first thought in my head. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think shit happens yeah. is more of an accurate phrase. Yeah. Um, and, like, uh, I actually work <clears> – <throat> my client, she has a grief podcast, and they talk a lot – about what not to say to people who go through traumatic experiences and it's just best not to say anything like don't i'm learning that i don't that a lot of these uh, trauma victims say like just don't say anything don't say any phrases because <laughs> i think that what you're saying with the whole like it all happens for a reason it just it minimizes their pain so i feel mm-hmm. like yeah it, i think just with nora's situation just like in any life just shit's gonna happen yeah that's kind of the theme i saw I think that's that's like my problem. My only problem with this book is like I feel like that could have been stated better and more of like a shit happens in any life instead of, well, what's the silver lining out of this bad experience? I feel like it's a way of not really frame like reframing properly. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Miss Elm realizes that she calmed down Nora, so she's like, "Let's play a riveting game of chess." Which I'm still pissed because I still don't know how chess works. We literally David bought a chessboard for us to play together during COVID, and and y'all never played. He's like, "I have to refresh my memory how to play this game," <laughs> and I'm just like, "I don't know." Whenever I'm reading, isn't that what the internet's for? Whenever I'm reading game directions or having them set to me, it's just in one year and out the other. I mean, Rainer, how many games have you played with Lauren and me where you and David sit there and read the instructions, observe the whole thing, and then we're like, okay, so tell us how to play this game as we're playing it. As soon as the last direction is read, she's like, all right, so what are we doing here? How do we play? I was like, that was literally what I just read to you. Yep. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I still don't know how to play chess. play chess. And that's all I was thinking about. (laughs) I was mad. Yeah, I was wondering if like you know if you know how to play chess if you would understand like another depth to this book cuz I don't know how to play chess. Probably. Does anyone here know how to play chess? I mean, I'm not very good at it, but I know how to play. I did for a brief period. Rainer, can you teach me how to play chess? <laughs> yeah, real quick. Okay, you guys just hang out for a second. <laughs> so, we have pawns. We'll have another 20 minute. <laughs> yeah. Gap. <Yes. laughs> So I the basic so they play a game of chess and during it uh, Miss Elm is using chess as a metaphor for life. Nora thinks that she's gonna lose because I don't know why I'm explaining this. I feel like Rainer should be explaining this. Nora thinks that she's gonna lose because her like queen is that queen? That's a, yes, that's a piece. Yeah, her her queen the guy got off the board got killed. So she's like, I don't have any more important pieces. All I have is pawns. And I guess we're overlooking like bishops and knights and other things. I'm sure I think those died too. But if your pawn gets to the, <laughs> to the other side of the board, I think it's like checkers where you get kinged and your pawn gets queened. Is that it? 
Or you get like a, don't you get like something. a piece added back or something like that? I think I have no clue. I forgot. Help us. But it's something like that. Rainer, help us. Like you're still alive. I don't know what happens. <laughs> yeah, if you get your pawn to the other side, then it can it can move like a queen. Oh. Which so the queen on the chessboard. Like each piece can only move in certain directions, a certain number of spaces, and they're all—it's mm-hmm. all different for each piece. The queen can move in any direction, any number of spaces. Uh, like she's not restricted by as much as many things as the other pieces are. So if you get your pawn across, it can then it then becomes unrestricted and can move anywhere and do anything basically. Chess. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, some valuable insight, Marie. <laughs> yes. so I'm like, I'm like, I want to hear directions. My brain goes somewhere. I was like, I was like, oh, shit, I heard queen. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> See, I would not have been good for Mrs. Elm because she'd be like, want to play chess? I'm like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, it'd literally be four hours of me being, going like, wait, what do I do? <laughs> I would opt out and be like, can we do checkers or yeah, bingo or, or tic-tac-toe? <laughs> Uno. Connect the dot or connect four. I spy. Let's just play I spy. <laughs> I spy. Something very simple. So yeah, that's the I guess the whole point of it is she gets her pawn to the other end and she's like, you know, don't discount pawns because a pawn can become anything. It doesn't have any limits and it's basically like, you know, you're a pawn in your life, not like a bad pawn. Like I'm just a pawn, but like you can be you can turn into anything, you can evolve. And I put a note in my notes where I said playing checkers with David. And I the only thing I thought about was playing checkers with David because I don't know how to play chess. And I just remember I we have a running tally in this house on who wins at checkers. And I'm winning more checkers matches in this house. So, David, when you listen to this, we are uh, overdue for a checkers match. So I can wipe your ass all over that board. Oh yeah. I'm very competitive. So good. I'm also a sore loser. So I'm a great person to play games with. Mm. My wife's the same way. She's so competitive. <laughs> And also a sore loser. And also a sore loser. Yeah, that's the best combination. (laughs) Miss Elm tells Nora that she has to keep going like that day in the river. And there's this whole weird like semi flashback where she's sort of inserted into a memory where she, I guess it was at this drunken party with like Joe and some of their other friends and someone, I think was it Robbie, was just like... I bet you can't swim across this river um, because you can. And she does it. She tries She's to. like, I bet I can. And she swims. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, I was just a, like a visualizing like a small little river, not like something huge or anything like that. So I was like, she can make it. She can swim. I mean, s- still, if you're drunk, like drunk people. She can make there's, it. There's like this whole she thing where swim. like drunk people shouldn't be allowed near water because if they just like forget, they're going to drown. <laughs> She can make it. She she was an Olympian in another life, so she can definitely do it. Not in this life. <laughs> I guess not. She drowned. So she she goes she drowned. That's the end of the book. Uh, she, <laughs> the end. She she swims into the river, and by the time she kind of like realizes what she's doing, she's equidistant between the part that Joe is on and the part that she was dared to swim off to. And she feels stuck because she's like, well, I don't know if I should swim back or if I should swim forward. And it's a metaphor for her life and how she's feeling stuck in her personal life and doesn't know what direction she's supposed to go in. And Miss Elm says that, you know, you were able to choose then which direction to go. I think she chose to keep going forward. 
um, and she survived the experience and just like she'll survive this experience. So basically just because you're Mm -hmm. feeling a little stuck doesn't mean it's like the end of the world. Like you'll be okay. You've made tougher decisions before. Yeah. I feel like this part was just, I mean, I totally understand like why it was there, but like also another part of me was like, this was just kind of random, like filler content in some aspects. I don't know. That was just my opinion. I kind of felt that way too. And I, when really? was this? Yeah, well, just this one little section. When was this yeah. River episode supposed to have taken place in her life? Because I was thinking like she was like a kid like a when teen- this happened. It seemed like when she was a teenager. Yeah. Like that's, yeah, like it just seemed filler, like to go back to the flashback and everything like that. I was just like, I get it. I, I totally get the point that Mrs. Alma's like trying to, you know, encourage Nora to keep going on and like choose, you know, a life that will lead Nora to her happiness. But Come on, Nora. Just, like, go on to another life and figure it out. Let's just figure it out, please. Yeah, Miss Elm was very patient. I'm not a Miss Elm. I would not I'm have like, that level of patience. You don't want to? Okay, cool. Like, figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've given you nine million lives, and every time you come back and complain, like, I, I, like I'm not that sympathetic for Nora, and maybe that's not nice, but I've just been like, girl, you've done, you were a rock star in one life. Like, you've done some shit. You've done some shit. I, like, I don't know. And every time she comes back and complains, which means there's, I find like more of a character flaw of like, not a flaw, but like, okay, there's something more rooted that you need to figure out. It's not as many lives as you can do. Like if every time you're coming back from these insane experiences and you have something to complain about, I don't know. Well, yeah. I, I mean, just, I think that's a big part yeah. of her issue. And I mean, we'll realize that later this section too. And you kind of realize it throughout the book that, you know, you can have, everyone has shitty things happen to them, but part of it is about your viewpoint. Obviously your mental health is not your fault, but it is your responsibility. Mm-hmm. So yep. some yeah, people that, like, I, go ahead. I was going to say I that is, mic, so go ahead. no, that's fine. That is, I guess, kind of one thing that I don't want to say bothered me about the book, but it did seem like he was putting forth the idea that your life's in a shitty position because of decisions you made. It's your fault. And yeah, it would be cool if you could go back and change these decisions, but you can't. So you just got to live with it. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. I like this book a lot, but I feel like I can understand how it might not resonate with some people just based on how you interpret it. Because if you, if you read it a quote unquote incorrectly, it definitely feels kind of victim blamey. It feels like, well, you know, shit just happens and it sucks instead of, you know, if you have the background knowledge of knowing that Matt Haig and his personal life has dealt with anxiety, depression, he has panic disorder. He went through a period of suicidal ideal ID. Oh my gosh. I can never do this word ideation. Um, when he was first married So, I mean, he's gone through his own mental health struggle. So I don't think it's from trying to be insensitive. I think it's just, this is how he has dealt with his shit. And I think this is his way of framing the situation where it's just just like your life is never going to be ideal. And that's okay because it's not meant to be. But what are you going to do with the hand that you're dealt? I think it's more what he's trying to say. Mm -hmm. I actually Mm -hmm. underlined a quote in the book where she was like, uh, you're not supposed to love life. You're supposed to live it or something mm-hmm. like that. Like just experience it. 
And I think that's what she kept coming back, coming, coming back from these lives. And she's like, oh, it's not perfect. Or it's not like there's one thing wrong. And that's why she just kept trying and trying. And I like, I just like that how Ms. Elm said that. She was like, just live it. Like any one of them, just live it. Live it mm-hmm. through and through and be like very honest through your decisions. And I totally get that because I have a decision. Like I can't make a damn decision for my life. Like choosing something off a menu, I see my whole life. So I definitely, <laughs> this book, <laughs> I was like, I get Nora in that aspect. There's just too many lives, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's very inception in my brain sometimes and I'm like I can't handle this <laughs> it's too many too, too overwhelming. Many. so when we talk about the moral implications of taking over another person's life and living their life what happens to the version of Nora that she's taking over do they yeah cease to exist I... are they trapped somewhere and can't get out what happens if she does like when with the polar bear thing like she takes over that nora's life what happened if she were to get killed by the polar bear she she just like murder that other person also i think so i think the idea is that they're one in the same because again we'll kind of get to this later but when she gets to the life that she stays in for a little bit there comes a point that she kind of starts remembering things that she would have no place remembering otherwise. So she, like she just merges with this other Nora. So I guess they're not like two different people because they're the same person. It's the same conscious, just in different parallel dimensions. I think that's the concept or the idea he's going for, but I don't know. The more I think about it, that that doesn't seem possible. Well, it was explained earlier, though, that, like, I think it might have been in the first section that we recorded this, where, because I think Nora asked, like, what about the other person? Like, what will happen when I go back to life? And it's, like, that person's probably, like, I guess, like, that Nora that is being taken over is kind of, like, asleep, or I guess, like, kind of, like, taking a pause. Yeah, it's like you, you <laughs> roofied this person, you lived their life for a while, and then when you leave, they wake up from being roofied, and it's like, now they have to live with whatever decisions or mm, things that I you did. It yeah. It's like, that doesn't seem right. Uh, especially if, like, the one life where the, she wanted to stay, where she was with us, and she ended up sleeping with him. So, like, now this, like, even double moral implications because a she's not actually his nora and she just slept with him but he thinks he's a different person but it's like she's i don't know it yeah is... and then when the minute she left the the old nora comes back and like she's very different with her child i'm sure or very different with ash because she's like your personality kind of is different in every life yeah so yeah because they're like... not the same person i mean if if you were to take a clone of me right now genetically identical and plop him down right here five years from now we wouldn't still be you wouldn't say oh you're the exact same person we both had different experiences different things going on in the brain chemical connections all this kind of stuff Rainer thinks that he'd be smarter than any other version of himself <laughs> no not at all not no at i totally all. get what you're saying yeah so it's like is she really nora in these other mm-hmm. lives it's like yeah she has the same body as you but like are you really these people like that's kind of, kind of coming off of your conversation. It sounds like you're not really any of these people that you're in their lives with. Cause like you don't even recognize 
the people's reflection of your behavior like talk about imposter syndrome how they're like you're acting weird Mm -hmm. you're acting strange it's because you're not acting like the nora that you are not right person yeah yeah you've got the same name and the same body but you're not the same person also how can you expect someone like if you were to take my consciousness and plot me down in a multiverse version of myself who is a i don't know a math professor at college like yeah i would immediately be uncomfortable and unhappy because i don't i this version of me doesn't like math and has no idea how to teach it to people so of course you plot me down i'm gonna be like well this life sucks i don't want to be here like how can you expect you know when she gets put into the body of the version of her that's supposed to go give like a motivational speech the ted talk like i don't don't know what to do here this is uncomfortable and i don't blah 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 this and that like i would cancel yeah (laughs) like sorry i'm sick (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not doing that today <laughs> also yeah you're me- you're messing up there that nora's aspirations and ambitions i'm sure that person worked exactly. really hard to get mm-hmm. to on the ted talk stage yeah and now you get up there and you're like hi <laughs> like I'm you nora. know like you're messing exactly. with her career just because you didn't like your original life you're not messing with your other version and then i think for this kind of yeah. stuff maybe it's a situation where you just need to kind of suspend your belief yeah, I, I'm able to suspend. Well, let me start over with that sentence. <laughs> I am able to suspend my belief with the fact that there is a multiverse and she can move back and forth between them. But then, like, I feel like you need to be consistent within the universe you've created. And, like, what are the implications of doing this if I go into this person's body and ruin their career and then I, I tell it out of there? Now they have to deal with the aftermath of what I've just done to them. That doesn't seem. Right. But she doesn't know because once uh once she leaves a life the book is like she can't access it. She's never it. going back. So yeah. I mean that's it's convenient for Matt <laughs> to not explore that. It just sucks for the other person. They, these people didn't stop to exist. So is she like murdering Ooh. is she murdering entire universes every time <laughs> she leaves? You have a point there. Like does it like go in a black hole? She play you know? like literally she would be playing God. Like she comes into that universe and the universe is then what created now she's created this entire universe with all of these people and all of their lives and everything they're doing. Then she, eh, it's not perfect. I'm going to leave. And then all of those people are just annihilated and they die. <laughs> like the world Jeez. blows up Honestly. after she leaves every time. Jesus, it's even worse than I thought. Oh my gosh. Honestly, I just thought this was a whole dream. <laughs> and that oh. Laura was making this all up. And I was like, wow, this is a very elaborate dream. <laughs> I just want to believe that and keep it simple to myself. <laughs> Meanwhile, me and Rainer are like, she's murdering everyone. Murdering whole universes. <laughs> you monster. I had a moment where I had, I got super inceptiony with all these lives and I was like, oh, I can't handle this. I need to pretend that this is fake. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's where we're at. Nora is a mess. Oh, gosh. Um... <laughs> You're like, how do I walk this back? So she crosses the river. I'm just, no transition. We're just going right back into it. Just dive oh. into it. We're going back to the river. Going back to the river. I said, she swam to the opposite bank and I took a funny pick. I just put funny pick in my notes. So let me figure out what that's about. They get back from the flashback because she already crossed the river, right? And that was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, they get back from the flashback into the library, and then they have this whole talk 
And Nora says, well, I've been living everybody else's dreams. Like, the rock star dream was more of Joe's, and the swimmer dream was more her dad's, Mm -hmm. and the bar dream was Dan's. So Mrs. Elm's like, why don't you, you know, pick a book from the top or bottom shelves that are a little bit more separated from those, like, earlier decisions? Like, I guess those decisions and more for like it's like when you're shopping and you should look for the things on the higher and lower shelves because everything yeah. that they put on eye level is usually the most expensive thing what yeah unless you're at the liquor store unless what? you're at the liquor store damn well i'm going grocery shopping today so thanks for the reminder Brittany. i appreciate it you're a good friend god that's so brilliant I didn't know that. Yeah, marketing tactics. We know your scam, King Supers. I'm so dumb. I've been buying expensive soy sauce. I didn't know. Okay. Just look at the per unit, and when they, on the on the tag they have the price, and then they have the per, like per unit, like this many cents per ounce or per gram or whatever. I just I just buy based on gram. Like what are we, Canada? Canada. <laughs> no metric system here. No grams. I found the picture, by the way, at the beginning of this chapter. Uh, Miss Elm says that life is always an act, and Miss Elm says that you act, you made decisions when it counted to make decisions. Um, you swam to the bank, you clawed yourself out, you coughed your guts out, and had hyperthermia, but you crossed that river against incredible odds. You found something inside of you. Then Nora says, yes, bacteria. I was ill for weeks. I swallowed so much of that shitty water, and that made me laugh. Yum. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> Reminds me of Lake Alatuna. What? <laughs> I would not swallow that water. Sorry. Miss <laughs> Elm says to take the road less traveled by. Again, the whole make sure you're not looking at the the eye level. Reach a little farther. It's like a top or bottom shelf book. Yeah. Life is like chess. Easy to play. Hard the master. And then I put a note for another picture. Oh, okay. This one's a little easier to find. Miss Elm provided a commentary. At the beginning of a game, there are no variations. There's only one way to set up a board. There are 9 million variations after the first first six moves. And keep in mind, I'm reading this. I don't know how to play chess. And after eight moves, there are 288 billion different positions. That's what she said. And those possibilities keep growing. (laughs) There are more possible... too much for me. There are more possible ways to play a game of chess than the amount of atoms in the observable universe. So it gets very messy, and there's no right way. White way. Oh my gosh, no right way to play. There are many ways in chess, as in life. The possibility is the basis of everything. Every hope, every dream, every regret, every moment of living. And I was just reading this, going like, Oh my god, chess just seems overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, that's all she got from that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, <gasps> is this stressful? Okay, I don't consider myself like a dumb person, but I think I might be too dumb to play chess. That's too much. That's a lot of numbers. Right there. The fact that she said it's easy to play. I was like, uh, hell, what? I was like, no excuse me? Are you calling me stupid? Are you calling me stupid? She just called us all stupid except for Rainer. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Oh, because I know I know what, what the pieces can do. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I will mean, say this skill. about the, the, ni- the, Jesus Christ, the nine million moves after the sick thing. I, I think basically what she's saying is like, there's a lot of different ways that this can end up. And she also, there's a, some, a quote mm-hmm. later on in the book where she says something about, you know, the smallest decisions. If you change, if you just change the little small, make like, yeah, it's like the ripple yeah. effect. I, I did actually really like this book. I know it sounds like I'm shitting on it a lot because like all the, I feel like the interesting things to say about it are all the, 
things that I find weird and like, why did you make that choice? But I feel like Nora, the way she was going about like examining the different lives was like kind of dumb. Like, like you try a life and it's like, okay, here's the specific things about this life that I didn't like. Now I want to change. I want to like change these specific things to get to where I'm going. As opposed, she just just sort of like scattershot. Like I just want to try this and this and this and this, as opposed to refining her decisions or the things that she wants to change. Okay, you know, I did this life and I didn't like this one little aspect. So what what decision, Miss Elm? Hey, can you tell me what decision would change this one thing so that you know instead of this life is perfect except my dad's dead, how can I have this exact same life except now my dad's alive? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Am I am I saying yeah. am I saying what's in my head properly? Yeah, I mean she gets better at that as she goes along. Does she though? I don't feel I like don't... she does at all. I think she kind of gets caught up, just like she has this opportunity to have a better life, and I think she's just caught up. Like I, it has to be perfect, so I need to make like the perfect. I don't think she's really thinking super rationally right now. Too many choices yeah. for her. This is a little off subject, but. They interviewed, like, uh, I read this article. They interviewed, like, people who used to get married back in the day and they why they have longer marriages, and it's because they didn't know that many people. So, like, if they and if they looked at how many people they – the people they married and where they found them, it was people they met in the elevator, their mom's cousin's friend's daughter, or, like, you know, like, someone they knew from someone, or it was someone they saw across the street. The vicinity of where they met people was very close by, and then they had long-term marriages because their choices were limited. But then nowadays we have too many choices and then like marriages or, you know, whatever. So I feel like kind of with her, she couldn't find happiness because she saw the unlimited possibility. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. Like she saw too much. And she also has like a limited amount of time apparently too. Yeah. So it's like you have all these choices. And you don't know what time limit you have, but you do know it's limited. Like is exactly. it an hour or is it like seven years? and she's so focused on the big ones that she's been like been pondering on her mind i guess or like that got reiterated to her in that one shitty day that she had that led her here with the whole like oh well you used to be a good swimmer so she like went to a swimming life and did she used to like uh be in a band and then she goes to a band life so she's like picking all these like high profile Mm. like lives things that she's thought she wanted her whole life yeah, and I don't know. Like, we'll learn. From like a story, like narrative perspective, I completely understand why he did it that way, and it makes more sense and made for a much more entertaining story for us to read the way he did it. But mm-hmm. for me, thinking about it coming from the other way, I feel like the way Nora, as the character, went about doing it just seemed done to, dumb to me. She should have been way more methodical. <laughs> and you get into a life and it's like, wow, everything about this life is great except for this one little thing. I'm going to now make a decision that changes everything and start from scratch all over again. It's like, why? Why don't you just change the one little thing and see if that... Rainer would go into this with a checklist. <laughs> yeah, he, he should have replaced Mrs. Ohm in this book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rainer's like, okay, here we go. Mr. Rainer. <laughs> What did you like? What did you not like? <laughs> like, let's go through the pros and cons. Figure this out. It took me probably two or three times longer to read this book than it normally would have taken me to read a book of this length because I kept having to stop. Is it because you're illiterate? That and 
I kept having to stop and like my brain would just like go on these wild tangents thinking about all this shit like why did he do that and if he did this and like all right multiverse this and multiverse that Schrodinger's cat whatever it is I'm thinking about and then there was me thinking about I don't know how to play chess (laughs) (laughs) we can see who the intelligent one of this conversation is (laughs) the two different kinds of people reading the book So Nora decides to pick a gentle life where she chose working at an animal shelter instead of working at the music store String Theory. So she wakes up in this gentle life and she's like, you know, everything seems like soft and plush and I sleep well and I seem happy and everything just seems like cozy and getting really cozy vibes from this life. She goes to the animal shelter and apparently it's her first day working at the dog section of the shelter and so the cat section so she's like this is great i can act like i have no idea what i'm doing because i seriously don't have any idea what i'm doing i'm like that's convenient fair she works with the beeves dogs this part kind of made me sad because i always think about all the dogs and shelters and i always get really i don't know i love animals i'm just a big baby you want to hug a cat or a dog <laughs> or a dog <laughs> Yeah, it's just, I don't know. We, I've gone to like the animal shelter a few times and every time I go in there, I cry because I can't take all the dogs home. I'm not even going to go if I can't take animal home. Like, I can't. She's dating this guy named Dylan who seems like a- Is a dog. Who, yeah, he seems like a golden retriever. He's just- Yes, he's he's the golden retriever. (laughs) Yes. He's nice and happy um, and just easygoing and is kind of down for whatever- it's funny because they're eating lunch on a bench together and he like puts her arm, his arm around her or something and she's like, what the hell? And then she's like, oh, I guess we're dating. I guess we're together. <laughs> he kind of reminds me of that guy in Twilight, Mike. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the stupid friend that's obsessed. <laughs> Mike the Golden Retriever. <laughs> yeah. Basically, he's obsessed with Bella or like trying to get with Bella. And in here, it just kind of gave me a little bit of vibes. Nora's Bella. He's Mike. Because I like how she said entering a life wasn't the same as entering an emotion because apparently they are seeing each other. Mm-hmm. And I really like that because you really can't. Like, yeah. how are you supposed to connect with somebody that you just hopped into this life with? And, and that you supposedly already have a connection with. Yeah, I would feel awkward too. This is what I'm talking about. And she does, she does sort of seem to touch on the moral implications of what she's doing in this scene when she talks about... I guess wanting to leave and not be in this life because the Nora of her that of her universe or the or well the Nora of the that universe was obviously in love with Dylan or like Dylan like they they were more compatible they were more compatible than root root universe uh, Nora mm-hmm. yeah yeah and so she's like I don't really want to like mess things up for myself they're talking about moving in together and then there's this whole fillery scene about them booking dinner and apparently she was supposed to book dinner at this restaurant but she was just like oh shit i just hopped into this life so no i didn't book dinner at this restaurant and he's like it's okay we can go to this other place he wanted to watch a movie but she's like i've already seen the movie and he's like wait what (laughs) so there's some some things that don't line up um i also made a note about a cheese and marmite sandwich which did any of you know what that was by the way because that's marmite's like is it australian it's like a yeah, I think it's an Australian like a thing. Vegetable or it's a vegetable base. Or that's Vegemite. Oh, is that Vegemite? That's Vegemite that we're thinking of. Oh, that... um, Marmite, I think, is a 
It's a thing in England. I think Vegemite is made from Marma. Am I? It says British savory food spread based in yeast extract. Am I having a Ew. stroke right now? So, yeah, I looked it up because I didn't know what it was. Apparently, it's, an, it's a British thing. There was something that described it when I looked it up that basically said um, that it's a sticky dark brown paste with the texture of, like, used motor oil. And I was like, whoa. Oh. Yummy. Sorry, British people okay, out no. there. But yeah, no. I was like, that sounds disgusting. Maybe they love it. Maybe they I think grew they up do. on it. <laughs> Their taste buds are, like, immune to I it. I found it. This is from The Guardian. So it says, Marmite has a very distinctive flavor. The taste is so unique as to defy description, but think of a yeasty, salty, soy sauce-esque flavor with the consistency of old engine oil. Oh. Oh, I'll pass. And people love it? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah. The British are weird, so. Do they sell it on Amazon? Can I, like, <laughs> probably have it shipped here? Probably. <laughs> Try it as a snack one night. <laughs> what does it go kind with? Kind of like bread, maybe? It's probably good with an egg. I, I could see egg. I mean, egg and old engine oil. I could see that pairing together really nicely. <laughs> <laughs> but like she made a sandwich, so it has to go with bread, yeah? It's like a cheese and Marmite sandwich, so probably just like some plain white cheese. Put some ham in there. God, oh. some lettuce. <laughs> I would leave this life because this food sucks. I'd be like, I cannot live this life. Yeah, I would leave immediately on eating that sandwich. I'd be like, this is, tastes like ass and go home. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> the next chapter is called Why Want Another Universe If This One Has Dogs. And I was like, that's a mood. True. And they walk by the String Theory, I saw say restaurant store, and apparently it's closed. And there's a sign up that's just like, you know, thanks for your continued patronage, but due to whatever we're unable to keep the store open and Nora's like well maybe I actually wasn't a bad employee because I didn't scare people away and the store was still open when I was in my root life and he's like oh have or Nora says to Dylan have you ever been in there and Dylan's like no but didn't you used to play keyboard and she's like oh god used to so she gets sad that music doesn't have a role in her life at all basically I mean, to be fair, if I were in Nora's shoes, or, like, if I was doing this, too, and I found out that I, like, had no flute in my life, I'd probably feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The same. It's just, like, a part of your identity. Yeah. I, not a part of the identity, but... Part of... Oh, well, I, mean, I think your identity is right. It's, like, a part of who you are. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. In every life, Nora has a tendency to ask about parallel lives to the people around her. So she talks to Dylan about All the, time. the concept of parallel lives. And Dylan says a chap title where he's like, why would I want another life if this one has dogs? And he, he is a dog. He is a dog. And he says that he got into Glasgow University to study veterinary medicine, but he missed his dogs too much. So he came back home and then his dad lost his job. So then he was kind of stuck at home. But he's like, you know, I had a good life and I have good friends and my dogs and it's kind of like, oh, well, like, he seems happy. I think it's just, like, it's okay if life doesn't work out the way that it's, that you envision it yeah. being, I think is what we were supposed to take away from that. Which, yeah. I, I don't know, like, I read this when COVID was really bad, so reading, like, this section was kind of enlightening for me, because, like, every other millennial, um, my life is not where I thought it would be by the time I turned 30, because of the pandemic and the housing market crash of 2008 yeah reading that was really nice and comforting i think it also speaks to the fact that 
you know, happiness doesn't have to come from money, status, job, you know, mm-hmm, any of these mm-hmm. forward facing markers that people try to judge themselves by. Like you can be happy without that stuff. I will say it's probably harder to be very happy if you're very poor than it is maybe if you have money, but happiness doesn't have to come from those things. Well, there's a whole study Mm -hmm. that was done. I think that said if you basically make like at least $70,000, I think it was a person, then there's no difference between happiness of you and someone who makes like $500,000 a year. Yeah, diminishing returns. Like you start at the bottom and you go up. The more money you make, the happier you are. The more money you make, the the happier you are. But it's at some point that that line starts to curve and flattens out. So at some point, more money is no longer getting you more happiness. But there is, you know, at the bottom part of that graph, it's definitely correlated money, happiness, money, happiness. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like his basic needs were met and like, he saw the value in the simple things in life and she didn't have her basic needs met in her regular life. Right. She had a lot of estranged relationships, estranged relationships. No, it wasn't just even the money issue for her, like her issue with her brother. I don't know. I feel like she just had a lot of um, loose ends. Yeah. And while this guy, like mm-hmm. he doesn't live a glamorous life, but he's like, I have everything I need. I feel like hopefully he taught her something, even though he was just some guy like, who watches movies with her on a couch with a lot of, I, all I remember from that chapter is that he had a lot of dog hair on the couch. And I was like, ew, sorry. That's all I got from the fucking chapter. <laughs> but hopefully she saw more in that. Cause she just, in her regular life, she was, she had a lot of um, missing loose ends. Yeah. Like she, and so I think that's yeah. what caused a lot of her to like sadness. For sure. They pass Ash uh, running by and he doesn't recognize her, which she's kind of sad about because that's the surgeon who helped her when her mom was getting her ovarian hysterectomy surgery. Wait, what? Well, yeah, he is the doctor, but she recognized him from Voltaire. And so she's like waving at him and he doesn't. Am I mixing up lives? I think you're mixing it up a little bit. Just like a tad. Yeah. Ash in her root life, Ash was the doctor that like asked her out to coffee yeah. when she was working at the at the mm-hmm. music store and then later came and knocked on her door and was like, I'm sorry, but your cat's dead. Right. Like, that's the dude. There was a moment though where he did talk to her and noticed her, like in the hospital when her mom was sick, but I don't think it's mentioned yet. Oh sh- I don't know. It doesn't it's okay. Matter. <laughs> it's it's easy to get mixed up. I've like we read probably this book like three weeks ago, <laughs> so or four weeks ago. <laughs> so it's all good. So they go to this Mexican restaurant. Nora reflects on going there with Dan, and he was like super rude to servers, which is a major red flag. Yeah, because if if people mm-hmm. are rude to um like lower paid service staff i feel like that says a lot about your character like if you're rude to like food service or like retail workers that says a lot about you i just want to also say as a server we talk major shit about you like you you might think you won in that moment but you're gonna get roasted for the next six hours by everyone in the kitchen including the dishwasher so who's really winning here pick and choose your battles (laughs) 
So let's see. Uh, so he's not rude to the servers because he's a good person. I like how she's kind of slightly annoyed how happy he is, though, because he just seems like a really happy person. She mentioned how he could like sit in Chernobyl and be a happy little clam and nothing would ever harm him. It seems opposite from normal. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, like if I were in that situation, I'd also get annoyed because I've been in that situation before where I've been with, I like, I remember talking to somebody too damn happy a lot. Yeah. A long time ago. And they were so happy all the time. And I mean, I'm a happy person too, especially at that time too. And I was just sitting there. I'm like, I can't handle this. (laughs) Like you're a nice person, but I don't know if I can do this. And I literally like, I couldn't. <laughs> Nothing being wrong, being happy, but when you're when it's too much for me, I'm like, okay, like you gotta have to have some anger or something. It feels like not Scream not genuine me. past a certain point. Yeah, yeah. There's a difference between being happy and being like bubbly and being like chipper, overly overly emotive about your happiness. I feel like that's that's where it can get annoying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or not relatable. Yeah. Dylan says that he used to see Nora reading in the library on breaks and that he saw Miss Elm walking down the street toward an assistant, assisted living facility, which is, I mean, yay, she's still alive, but I guess you never, I don't know about y'all, but I never really thought of Miss Elm being alive in these lives. I was like, oh, she's in the senior care no. home. Like, that's not, not the ha- most happiest thing. The next chapter, the only note that I put was too many dogs. <laughs> It kind of, uh, have you guys watched How I Met Your Mother? Yes. Yeah, it reminds me of like that first episode where he goes into Robin's apartment and there's all the dogs. Yeah. And then they all disappear like after season one (laughs) until the last episode. They go to Dylan's house and because they're kind of in the process of moving in together, but they don't live together yet. And he has like four or five dogs and they are just like... There's fur all over everything, and like one of the do- one of the dogs is like humming her leg, and then Dylan sits on the floor because another dog is on the couch, and he doesn't want to move the dog, so it just seems like a hassle. And she's just kind of like, oh, I don't really want to deal with this. So she's looking at a bottle of wine from the wine bottle that she's pouring into her glass. I don't know why I'm making this sense more complicated than it needs to be. <laughs> she's pouring wine. There's a Yes, thank you. There's a couple on there that look happy and she's like, hmm, I wonder if I could live a life like the picture on the bottle. And she does that. She lives at the Buena Vista Vineyard and she lives in California. She's married to this guy named Eduardo Martinez. They have this son, son named Alejandro. You remember the names, damn. <laughs> I, I wrote it down. <laughs> I take notes, but I know I thought of a uh, Lady Gaga's Alejandro, Alejandro. Stop! I was listening to that the other day, and uh, I get into a time warp with that song. Oh, for real, Eduardo's parents left him a modest inheritance, and they bought this vineyard. It covers, pretty wealthy. Yeah, it covers like three field fields, grape vineyards, bunches vineyards, grape bunches, grape. Pasture? Three fields of grape? grape no. Fields of bushes? Grape, grape bush trees? Pasture. Grape plants? <laughs> grape trees. I've never trees. been to a vineyard, so I have no clue. They're like stunted little trees. Aren't they vines? 
Rainer's rolling his eyes because he has to teach me about grapes. I've been to Napa Valley before, so like... Uh, okay. Oh. So they're trees? Yeah, so they're trees, but they keep them trimmed, and the, like, vines... Great they have vine. to put up. They have to put up these trellises and stuff. That's cool. But back in the day, before they did all the, I guess, um, like commercial agriculture. Yeah, they would just be like these freestanding, and they look like these little trees with like a little, a, like a, a trunk like this big around, and it comes up to about head height, and then just sort of like a weeping willow almost kind of flops over. That's not what I imagine. I gotta look up some pictures of grapes. Trees. <laughs> you need to go on Google more. I like this life that she was in, though. Like, I was like, why did you leave? Like, you're rich. You're a, you have a vineyard. You're in California. Your husband's probably hot. You have a cool <laughs> son. I saw no excuse for her to leave, and I'm I kind of got irritated when she left because I was like, you got it. You won. I'm gonna keep yeah. harping on this, but it's like, yeah, like if you don't like this one specific thing, like I'm not deeply in love with my husband, but everything else about this life is perfect. All right. So just like now just take yeah. one step over into the next universe, instead of going 50 <laughs> universes over just the next right? one where it's like, everything's the same, but it's a different dude. And I'm in love with him. Boom. Problem solved. Yeah. Yeah. Life isn't perfect. So she would always be frustrated. Mm-hmm. She's never going to find that. Except, and this is another thing. We're talking about multiverse, and there's literally an infinite number of universes, then there actually is a universe out there that would be perfect. Like, just because every single option is out there, there actually would be a universe out there that is perfect. Now, could you ever find it? Could you ever get there? Who knows? Maybe that's the whole point, but there would be a universe out there where every single move you make is the right one, and your life ends up being perfect. Well, no, I think the thing is, you're, nothing's like an emotion doesn't stay forever. So like it wouldn't, nothing's ever going to be perfect. Cause there's no perfect happiness. That sounds so cheesy, but she's going to have to figure that out within like, like it just all the things that she could find in these lives doesn't matter. Cause there's no perfect, there's perfect moments, but there's not a perfect continuous life. So like yeah. she, it, no matter what she does, she has to figure out her shit. I think that's like her big character yeah. flaw that we kind of learn at the end of the book is like, her root life obviously wasn't perfect, but she goes into these lives where she has things infinitely better and she still finds issues mm-hmm. with them. So it's like even mm-hmm. if she was offered what we would think is the perfect life based on everything, all of her qualifiers, it would not be perfect for her. She'd still find something to be unhappy about. And that at that point, that's not an issue of the life you're living. That's an issue with like you as a person. Just yeah. being consistently unhappy with things exactly that's like perfectly said it mm-hmm. yeah she she's got to figure out her thing like she hurt she herself is an unhappy person mm-hmm. yeah um they basically make their living at this vineyard doing wine tours and she says they're very easy to fake she's like yeah i just hold up the glass of wine and i show them around and i'm like this tastes like oak and i'm like yeah i i feel like i've, yeah. I've referenced this a few times but that one bob's burgers episode where um bob and linda are at a wine tasting event and bob is holding a glass of red wine and a glass of white wine and he's like this tastes like red this tastes like white i'm like yeah that's me (laughs) true the only thing she has a problem with in this life is that she 
doesn't seem to like care for her husband that much or there doesn't really seem to be that much between them and she's like i don't really want to be like settled and stagnant here so she goes back to the library and then she just tries out a bunch of different lives is this a (laughs) section where matt Haig just goes through and like lists Mm -hmm. a bunch of things that she tries out yeah she like had one where she just ate toast and i was like how nice I'm okay with that. There's a bunch of things that I feel like would just take way too long for us to list, but she does all these yeah, different things, too much. a wide variety. She does, though, end up meeting Hugo a few times again. Mm-hmm. And Hey-o. I think it's because, like, she starts, like, losing a sense of herself. Yeah. And that's, like, as she keeps doing these lives, which Miss Elm warmed about earlier. So, Miss Elm. You know something's going on. I like how she kind of tells Hugo, like, the fun, like, what is it? Hugo's like, the fun is jumping in. And Dora says, but what if the landing? What if the fun isn't in the landing? Or is in the landing? Yeah. Is in the landing. And then Hugo disappears and he's, like, never really seen again, I guess. By her, Which yeah. made me, like, kind of, it kind of made me think, like, did he, like, stop? Did he die or did he find a life? Yeah. That was, like... That was just something that kind of like stuck out to me in that chapter. Yeah, I'm kind of glad that she didn't end up with end up with him though, because I was like, thank God. He seemed like kind of a twat. <laughs> I kind of liked him, yeah. but they both are too non-committal. So like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they would just <laughs> zip in and out of each other's conversation anytime there's conflict. They'd be like, mm-hmm. bye, <laughs> bye. Exactly. Through all of her life, she realized that she tried to kill herself because she saw no way out of her misery, and seeing the other lives that she could have lived was opening the chance of a possibility of doing something different a little wider. And it's kind of unfortunate that she had to, you know, try to have a suicide attempt and then have Mm -hmm. this opportunity to realize that there could be more to her life. But I guess when you fall down that far. So she gets back from all of her life exploring. The library is dark and she's losing herself in all these lives. Like you said, Catherine, she's kind of losing who she is. And Nora at this point just really wants to find an ending. She's like, I just want to land. Miss Elm pushes Nora to think about her regrets, and Nora says she doesn't really know what she regrets anymore. So Mrs. Elm asks Nora why she thinks that uh, Miss Elm is her, like, spiritual leader through this experience. And Nora's like, well, I guess you showed me kindness when you were, or when I was a kid. So Miss Elm says, you know, who else showed you kindness in a hard moment? And she thinks of Ash helping her. Uh, not only telling her about her cat dying, but apparently he also, like, helped her carry Volts and bury uh, him. I think this was also the hospital stuff that you were thinking about, too. Like, I think that kind of gets brought up as well with her mom, most likely. Mm-hmm. I think that's how he asked her on the coffee date or something like that, Oh, too, really? I think. Yeah. It's all coming back. To- I haven't read this in, like, three weeks. <laughs> I need a refresher. <laughs> I need a refresher. A little bit. Yeah, I think her first interaction with Ash was when she was working at the music store and he came in and she sold him Mm. a Garfunkel, uh, Simon and Garfunkel, like, music book. And he asked her out to coffee, but she's like, sorry, I'm seeing somebody else. She was seeing, is it Dan? Dan. Dan. She was seeing Dan at the time. Damn Dan. Yeah, so now she's thinking, hmm, what if I had said yes to that coffee? How would things have turned out? Yeah. So she wakes up and she's... uh, in bed with Ash, they're sleeping. That must have been a coffee date. <laughs> she's like, oh, I guess that was a good day. And she's like, oh, I gotta like 
sneak out and see if I can Google myself on my phone and get an idea of who I am. So she tries to sneak out. Go on my social media. And there's a kid outside the door and she's like, uh, hi, small child. (laughs) It's a little girl who's, what, like maybe four, three. She says that she had a nightmare about bears and she basically needs to be consoled. And Nora's just like, uh, okay, dear, um, don't worry about the bears. It's okay. And then the kid's just like, well, mommy, you got to like come with me to bed. And Nora's like, what the hell? This is my kid. (laughs) So she goes to the room with the kid and she starts feeling like this, um, irrational love for this child. And, like, she sees herself in her kid. And I've definitely felt those before. Like, when you're talking... Because I have a niece and a nephew. So I've just been like, yeah, kids, whatever. And then, like, I'm holding these babies that are, like, related to me by marriage. And I'm just like, I would die for this child. (laughs) It's the weirdest feeling. It's the weirdest feeling to, like, look at a little itty-bitty baby. And you're just like, oh, my God. (laughs) That's my life to you, my lord. Basically. (laughs) Kind of how I feel. Like, I would do anything for you, yeah. The kid says that she's... uh, She's still scared of the bears. Um, and Nora's just like, there aren't any bears here. Like, it's it's okay. Don't worry about it. And then, you know, being a little kid and asking the kind of questions that little kids do, she transitions from being worried about bears to what happens when you die? <laughs> like, that's very smooth sailing mm-hmm. right there. Like, okay, Matt. Well, there's a library. <laughs> that's kind of yeah. what Nora says. Nora's like, well, when you die, Basically. you can live your life all over again. But, you know, you're young. You don't need to worry about it for a while. The daughter says, okay, so, like, if I picked a different life, I would go camping. And Nora's like, oh, that's cute. I want to go camping with you. <laughs> and she's like, it's okay to be scared. But, you know, to to help out, you know, when you're scared, one thing you can do is name things that you know. So let's go through and list everything we know. Kids are so stupid. <laughs> I know. Nora's like, let me just, like, figure out, like, what's happening in this life. Mm-hmm. Like, let's play a game. So she figures out via this game that she's married to Ash. She's Her kid's name is Molly. She's teaching philosophy at Cambridge University, but she's quitting to write a book. Ash is still a surgeon. I think it was on sabbatical or something like that. I don't think she quit. Yeah, we learn later that it's sabbatical, but the four-year-old is just saying that she's quitting because she's four oh. and she doesn't understand what sabbatical Never is. Never mind. It's fine. <laughs> True. Ash is still a surgeon. She's an only child. Nora's parents are dead. They have a good relationship with Joe. Nora's like, I wonder if having Molly help repair that, which probably. And they have a lab named Play-Doh. So cute. In the middle of playing this game, she falls asleep on Molly's floor. Because that's what you do, I guess, when you have little kids, is you fall asleep on the floor. Been there, done that. Maria couldn't fall asleep by herself in her room until she was like three and a half. I had to lay her down in her little toddler bed. And then I would sit in the bed beside her and hold her hand <laughs> until she fell asleep. That's so cute. Yeah. I mean, thinking back on it now, <gasps> yeah, I'm like, oh, so cute. At the time. And at the time, you're like, like, oh, my God, kid, what are you doing? I just want to go to sleep. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I would want to sleep, too. So she wakes up to Ash bringing her coffee, and he's like, you know, don't worry about anything. I got Molly Brecky, which apparently is just how the British people and Australian people say breakfast. Breakfast. And I think that's really cute. Sure. 
I went on Googling spree. I was just like, these are weird British words. And he's like, you know, don't worry about it. I'm bringing her to school on my way to work. It's not a big deal. I only have like a couple surgeries today. It's fine. Everything's fine. And he's like, yeah, and I have an easy day today anyway. So I'm going to go for a run. So he's like super trim and in shape and probably hot. Nora is like, hey, by the way, just thanks. He's like, for what? And she's like, oh, you know, for everything. And he's like, okay. Because I guess she's like, wow, this life is great. Thanks. And I'm a little nervous. I got nervous reading this because David sometimes does this to me where he's just like, thanks for just everything. And I'm just kind of like, now I'm like, are you the same person? Are you a different person? Are you different? Yeah. She looks around the house and she finds out that she doesn't use social media, has a lot of emails because she's a college professor. Uh, She's on sabbatical, not quitting. She has a lot of philosophy books and just nice classic literature books uh there's pictures of ash's sister and pictures of spain so i guess they travel she doesn't have any antidepressants either Mm -mm. we find out that too Mm -hmm. which you know big change yeah change because i think that was a constant through most of the lives that she was life surfing through was some kind of antidepressant yeah she's showering and she notices a c-section scar and she feels kind of the first pains of guilt for not being in this life earlier and she's like, wow, I've already missed out on so much. She has breakfast with Ash, which is pretty nice and uneventful. While Ash goes to work, she stays home and writes and researches her book. And the book is already long and successful. She picks Molly up from school to feed the ducks and takes care of the bedtime routine. She has some memory slips. There's like a neighbor that's coming over to return a hose. Slams the door in his face freaks out yeah and then ash is like that's our neighbor so-and-so that's been our neighbor for like seven years and he's a little <laughs> offended that you slammed the door in his face she's like what uh okay <laughs> izzy is also alive still yes. taking pictures of whales izzy. and i like how Nora's like oh my god please drive safe <laughs> <laughs> like please don't try she's scarred <laughs> basically but it's kind of nice to see that we Izzy is still alive. Yeah. yeah. Thank goodness. <laughs> we find out that Ash is sweet and nice and nerdy. He works long hours, but he's just always a great person to be around. He doesn't take his stress out on the family. Uh, he's a good cook and a bad musician. Like, he sings horribly. Even hey. Molly gives him crap for it. <laughs> I like how also she's like, I haven't forgotten the library still. And she, I think she's like expecting like, oh, I have this great life. Why am I still remembering the library? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, ooh. And she starts to fear waking up in the library. She's like, I like this life so much. Like, I don't want to go back. She says that she feels wisps of gentle depression every now and then, but never anything major. I can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. I can also relate to that. She avoided sex (laughs) because (laughs) awkward. You can't enter emotion just yet. Yeah, but... Once they do have sex, uh, she talks to Ash about parallel universes because she can't go through a single life without not talking about parallel universes and parallel lives. Her new personality. He says that, like, parallel life is probably a possibility, but he's like, it would be fine because you and I would be, like, together in every life and everything's great. And he's like, yeah, you know, I love you and I believe that, you know, you could be a different person and everything's okay because you're still a person that I married. And I'm like, oh, that's cute. So sweet. So sweet. So sweet. So sweet. I, this is 
15 seconds. I had a dream the other night that my 30, how old am I? 37 year old self, my consciousness got transported back into my 18 year old self's body. I had to go on like a search mission to find Lauren, my wife, and like tell her, hey, listen, I don't know what's going on, but don't grow up and marry anybody else because you have to marry me. So just letting you know, like we are in love and we're going to be together forever. And of course she had no idea who I was, but this is I, can re- I can like It's a dream. Yeah. Oh, that's actually incredible. Wow. That's like a movie. I want to watch that. Yeah. My dreams are absolutely yeah. not that cool. <laughs> I like that. That's cute, but also really scary. <laughs> yeah. Cause you're right? like, no, wait, please don't marry someone else. <laughs> <laughs> They go to Hammersmith, which I guess is a city in England. Mm -hmm. I don't know. This is one thing I didn't look up. I only know that because it's part of a... So nerdy. It's part of like a band piece (laughs) written by Holst. Oh. And that's a movement title. Oh, that makes sense. For like one of his like suites for... One of his band suites. Mm -hmm. But they always play in band all the time. I thought this whole book took place in like Maryland this whole time even though they no. said british shit and i think i'll mention that in they another do. episode like one of y'all was like bedford but i was like i don't care how many times they say british stuff in this book i'm like no this takes place in maryland you're like, like bedford maryland like have you not been there <laughs> or like new england because like there's the cambridge massachusetts and yeah. then cambridge like... i especially like a cold kind of place Cold it helped me because I listened to the <laughs> audiobook version, and the narrator is a British lady. So. Um, oh, uh, very prim and proper. Mrs. Elm. Mrs. Elm. <laughs> She's narrating the story. If it makes you feel better, this was my second time reading this, and the first time I read it, it literally took me to the end of the book where they talk about London to realize that it was in England. Right. <laughs> and every reading it, I'm like, how did I? How did I miss that? Brecky. <laughs> Marmite. <laughs> I don't care. It's still in Maryland in my head. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so they visit Joe and is it e- Ewan? Ewan. I'm going to say Ewan, yeah. Ewan. Ewan? Ewan? Ewan. Like Ewan McGregor? Uh, Ewan McGregor. Oh, yeah. true. Obi-Wan Kenobi. I loved him. <laughs> it's the California. <laughs> She sees the wine, a bottle of wine there, and it's Eduardo and a different wife, and she's a little offended that <laughs> he would have a different life. What's that bitch, Ed? Girl, you did not love him. <laughs> Their dinner goes really well, and Joe and is Ewan? Ewan. 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 Like you and. Ewan. Ewan. Interesting. I would never name my son that. I'm just saying. Like, that's a confusing name. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. He would never name his daughter Brittany. So. Well, I'm offended first off. Brittany's a great name, especially if you want to honor the great Britney Spears. And my sister, who is also Brittany. Is she so. spelled my way or is she spelled like Britney Spears way? Your way. Yeah. Ooh. We got two. We are hard breed to find. So, yeah, everything goes well. Um. Nora asked Joe if he was pissed at her for leaving the band, and he's just like, oh my god, no, are you kidding? He's like, first off... Water under the bridge. Yeah, he's like, it's a million years ago, and then she's like, well, you know, I was like also mentally struggling. He's just like, yeah, don't worry about it. I didn't take it seriously, because I was like young and dumb, and 
Apparently, his husband also, also suffers from panic disorder. So he's like, I really didn't take it seriously until, you know, I was with him and started going through his struggles. So the next chapter chapter is basically Nora is hanging out with Molly, mm-hmm. and Molly has a tricycle, and Molly crashes the tricycle. Mm-hmm. It's her head. Hits her head, yeah, and uh, Nora feels, like, this, like, urgency, and she, like, tries to console her and feels this, like, love that she's never felt before, and it immediately kind of, like, triggers her a little bit because she's like, I don't want this to end. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want it to end. She feels like she doesn't, she hasn't earned this life at all, and she's starting to feel the sadness, which kind of is, like... I don't want this to end. Not, I don't want the Midnight Library to come. But, I mean, we're kind of getting hints, like, hmm, something's something happening. Happen. Yeah. More or so likely, yes. <laughs> um, she realizes uh, through, you know, her intense feelings of fear and love about Molly that she realizes that life has no meaning or protection without love. And she's like, shit, I never really had this in my root life. Like, I'm taking this away from the Nora who was here. So just a lot of mixed feelings. If I were in that life, I would be like, I really wish I, like, had lived this and, like, been there the entire time. Yeah. It just doesn't feel or seem right. She tells Ash that she needs to see a friend in Bedford. So she goes to Bedford, and that's the nursing home where Miss Elm was, apparently. And he's, she sees the the neighbor, the old man neighbor that she had in her root life, but he doesn't recognize her. So she needs to cover it up kind of awkwardly. She asks about Miss Elm at the nursing home, and apparently she died three weeks ago. She died. She's like Bummer. super sad. So she is feeling kind of lost, feeling more weird about being there. She walks by her old house. Well, didn't she see another person in the window that's not her with a cat that's not Volts? <laughs> she wonders why Miss Elm was living in the nursing home, like what happened. She runs into the woman from the newsstand in her root life who was giving her crap about not having kids yet. And she sees that she's struggling with two kids. And she's like, oh, maybe that wasn't a good life to have. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're bragging about, like, your kids are so great, but you're obviously... It just seemed like her life is a, li- a little bit different in this particular life. Mm-hmm. It, that's what I kind of got out of it. Like, she's not as happy as, like, she says she was. yeah how like real life is a lot like social media people can be like yeah i'm so happy but then in the real day-to-day it's like oh it's kind of a mess yeah and apparently she was living in nora's house yeah yeah that's what i thought so yeah she's living in nora's house um and then we run into the cops yeah who they have leo who's the kid that she was teaching piano lessons to in her root life and apparently he's being arrested for shoplifting and armed robbery. And apparently he was a little bit of a delinquent when he started taking piano lessons. But since he started taking piano, he was able to kind of like refocus his efforts into that and that kind of get him on track a little bit. But since he never started learning piano in this life, he just kind of fell, like followed the path of becoming a criminal. I don't play piano. What? Uh, it made it seem as though, because it's shortly after this when she leaves this life and it kind of made it seem like this played a part in it like she realized that like the little decisions she made affected other people not just her but like Mm -hmm. that's going to be the case in any life you go to you know yeah but i think she sees it more personally in this like seeing the effects that she had like on her neighbor and miss elm and this kid you know, like the mm-hmm. couple things that actually brought her happiness in her root life. These people are not doing well in this life. 
Yeah. I'm just saying like the, like there's yeah. no. Oh, you can't avoid it. Yeah. In another life, these people might've been doing great, but her brother is dead and you know, whatever other a tsunami hit Thailand and right. destroyed a hundred thousand people. Yeah. So, so I got to find that one, that one perfect universe. I just keep mm-hmm. looking. So she keeps telling herself that this is a good life, even while she feels herself fading. She looks at her old house and she starts worrying about herself in her real life. She's like, am I okay? She walks by string theory again, and it's also closed in this life. And Nora's like, I definitely wasn't a shitty employee because I sold a lot of instruments and that shop was open to my root life. She sees the town in a new light. She's like, wow, this town is actually great to me in my root life. And I just didn't appreciate it around. She goes home and she's like, okay, I'm definitely going to leave. But she's like, I have to tell Molly that I love her. She realizes that her and Ash will be looked after in this life because the Nora in this life obviously loves her family and takes care of the family. That's kind of what she says to, I forget if it's either like Ash or Molly, but one of them, I think it's Molly expresses concern about the flowers. And then Nora's like, it's okay. Like the flowers will have water. And then she realizes that, you know, everything's going to be okay. That may be really sad. I was actually pretty sad in this part. And yeah, I was like, Oh, I really want her to be happy. And I mean, I'm sure she will be happy, but it just, that was really sad. So she goes back to the library and she's devastated that she's back. Yeah. Well, yes. I feel like having, I mean, I don't have a kid Rainer. I think you might be the only one of us who has a kid, but I feel like having a kid like changes you. Oh, for sure. Uh, so I'm sure leaving that behind is very devastating and traumatic. But shit is hitting the fan right now at the Midnight Library because it's catching on fire. Literally. Literally. The meme of the dog saying this is fine while reading books. <laughs> that's literally what's happening. <laughs> or no, that's Mrs. Elm. That's Mrs. Elm. She's like, everything's fine. Yeah. I'm just waiting for Nora to come back. Except she's saying that it's not fine. She's like, it doesn't matter that you wanted that life. Um, and you're probably dying in your root life now. And that's why everything is falling and burning. Time starts moving, which is alarming because this whole time it's been stuck at midnight. And now it's like one second, two seconds. Oh, no. And Miss Elm, she's like, we, we have no time. Like shit needs to start happening now. And Nora is, like, expressing that she doesn't want to die either. Like, she's like, I don't want to die. And so um, Mrs. E is like, well. But it's, like, really chaotic because she's like, I don't know where to go. And Miss Elm's like, you need to go, like, that way. And there's, like, an exit over over there. So, like, she starts running. And then Miss Elm gets, like, stuck under some books. And then Nora gets trapped by a fire. And then she grabs a book. And then she starts running. She's just like. Nora wanted to live or whatever, like writing in the third person and that's not working. So like she, it's a blank book and she writes, you know, like I want to live. She lives. She wakes up. (laughs) Yeah. In like her real life. She coughs out all her, basically her overdose or she just wakes up from her overdose and she's like, call an ambulance. She's really sick. Yeah. She can't get to her phone. She stumbles around and she goes to the old man neighbor's house and he calls 911 and she passes out. And there's a quote here that I really enjoyed. It's just like a little quote that's separate. It says, the sky grows dark, the black over blue, yet the stars still dare to shine for you. Is that the poem like right before or after? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I don't think I realized that there was a poem there until I like I I was doing my notes. 
I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. oh. I didn't even see it. Yeah, I missed it too. I'm a big skimmer. I skim quickly. And I feel like I miss a lot. <laughs> Good thing you're on a book podcast. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you're like, wow, I'm learning this all for the first time. I know. I do. I'm like, who's Nora? Who who's Nora? Who the heck is Nora? <laughs> I got to read this shit. <laughs> no, I did not see that. At what all. happens okay. next? Keep going. Don't stop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a whole quote um, from... How do you say the name? Is this Satir? Satri? Satri? Is it? Spell it. I don't have an answer. S-T-S-A-R-T-R-E. Satre. Sure. Some philosopher, (laughs) probably. I play violin. What do I know? Um, And he said, life begins on the other side of despair, which is kind of the whole MO for the last section of this book. Mm -hmm. She's in the hospital and she's doing well, all things considered. Her stomach's swollen from her attempted overdose of booze and pills, but she's doing okay. Um, The nurse is questioning everything leading up to her suicide attempt. And she's like, you know, all this shit happened and I feel kind of weird, but I'm not suicidal anymore like i'm gonna be okay everything's fine and the nurse is like "Eh," skeptical because they legally have to be fair she seems happy she like looks at the trees outside and just seems happy she writes a facebook post basically about her whole experience or kind of like alluding to her experience Mm -hmm. and i just like how she ended it kind of how we only need one existence like we could probably like always want so, like, what would it be like if I had another life or something like that? But, like, really, we only have one existence, yeah. and that matters, and life is really kind of... I, I hate this stupid sentence. Life is what you make it. But really, it is. Yeah. I mean, it's just about, like, how easy it is to regret lives and people and having kids or not having kids and not meeting certain goals or milestones, but those regrets weigh us down and limit us who from like becoming who we're meant to be. Um, and we don't need to do everything to be who we're meant to be. Mm-hmm. And your life is still worth, worth living. Even if your problems aren't solved. Apparently Joe texted seven minutes after midnight and the hospital called him and he was there the following morning. Um, he gives her a national geographic from her apartment. And he said he apologized for being, you know, kind of, out of touch but he's like i was in a weird place after mom died and then i had a messy breakup and then i drank too much and now i'm in aa and i'm doing better and i understand you, you know you disappear because you're going through your own shit mm-hmm. izzy texted back too she was like sorry for the delay i mean fair i've been there too i've said i've done that <laughs> i like how the one consistent through line is izzy texting pictures of whales <sighs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, here's another whale. She's the same person in every life. That's why I can latch on to and just ride that all the way through the book. Right. <laughs> they have a heart to heart, and Joe says it was hard to be gay with, like, publicly gay to their father, who was apparently, like, not very understanding of that kind of stuff. And Nora was just good at everything, so he actually felt like he had to, like, live up to her standard. So they both kind of felt like they were pitted against each other for their parents' affection. Joe brings stuff to Nora um, from the apartment. They go home, and on the way to the house in the Uber, Joe mentions something about wanting to be a sound engineer in Hammersmith. She's like, yes, go. (laughs) You might meet you in. (laughs) Yeah, and Nora's like, oh my gosh, you need to meet him because he's like a surgeon. He's hot, and you're going to love him. And he's just like, 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she even knows his last name. He's like, wait, what the? Yeah. <laughs> He's a little wigged on? out. Yeah. Have you been traveling to other dimensions? <laughs> Universe? You're never going to believe this. <laughs> she thanks the old man neighbor for helping her out and wants to buy him a flower for his garden. Her house or her apartment, whatever it is, is exactly the same, but her change in her life perception makes it seem better. She realizes that there's more to life than her depression and despair, and she's trying to go through life with no regrets. She actually gets a call from Leo's mom, and they want to get back to doing lessons, which is great. Yeah. I like how she kind of changes herself. Like, she saw herself as a black hole before, but then she was like, I see myself as a volcano because I have so many opportunities Mm -hmm. to create in my life. and Rebirth and all that. Yeah. She finds that Miss Elm is back in the um, assisted living facility and she's playing chess with Miss Elm and she's like, yeah, I can come and play more frequently because, you know, I teach piano full time and then I volunteer at a homeless shelter. She's like, maybe I'll get a dog because she actually sees Dylan outside walking one of the abused dogs. And Miss Elm's like, yeah, I appreciate the company because a lot of my friends and family didn't keep in touch with me because I was kind of an ass when I was younger. She's like, people have given up on me. And then Nora gives her one of the same pep talks that Miss Elm gave her earlier in the book. Nora's like, well, it's okay because like a pawn has joined because she's thinking like a pawn can be anything. And Miss Elm's like, oh, no, like you're not a pawn. And then they're ending their game of chess and Nora thinks that Miss Elm will win. And Miss Elm says, well, that's the beauty, isn't it? You just never know how it ends. And that's the end of the book. What a cute little ending. Yay, we did it. I know it's over. (laughs) Thanks for reading this with us. Yeah, thank you guys. Whenever we finish a book, we like to rate and review what we've read and give uh, recommendations of things that people might want to read instead of or in addition to. Okay, so I first want to explain like what kind of books I like to read. I asked a librarian the other day, or book lady. She says I'm literary forward or something. So Book lady. I uh, don't go for plot. I go off of poetry and like words. So like one of my favorite authors is Jonathan Safran Foyer. Like people who are just very like beautifully words. So this book to me, it was interesting, but the it didn't have enough poetry tint for me. So... Mm-hmm. This is not trying to be insulting. It's just like a hard six. So it was very lovely. I just need a lot of beautiful words. I'm not very plot driven. I'm like literary driven. So, but I did find a, I did want to share a quote real quick that Jonathan Safran Foyer wrote in Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, which is a beautiful book. It relates with this. It's with this book. He says, sometimes I can hear my bones straining under the weight of all the lives I'm not living. And I read that in like high school. And then when I was like reading this book, I was like, that's exactly what she's talking about in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote Eating Animals, didn't he? Eating Animals. And he wrote Everything is Illuminated, which is such a good book. Um, but he wrote that too. Yeah. yeah. I've read Eating Animals. It's very good. Yeah. I like I like very word driven books. You said extremely loud and very close. Extremely loud and incredibly, incredibly close. close. I think I've heard they of that. They made a movie about it. Don't. The movie's like whatever, but like he's so word driven. You really have to read the book. Like he's just a beautiful writer. For me, like the book was really entertaining. It was interesting, but I like need more words, more poetry, I think. Yeah. But I thought it was super interesting. And it came in a point in my life where 
I was feeling kind of down and I changed in the past month. I changed my perspective to be more positive and I've seen the reaping benefits of that. So getting to watch Nora change her perspective and see her life in a different way. I was like, that's badass. Like I related with Nora in a lot of ways. Yeah. I am giving this book a hard seven, which for me is like five is like, I can take her to leave it. Seven is like, I enjoyed this, especially the, Philosophical, 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 and moral implications of the stuff really had my mind like spinning and thinking, which I, I like that kind of, I like that in my literature. Like it makes me think about stuff. So yeah, I really enjoyed it, and I want to read. He's got another book, something about time travel or something that I want to read. Recommendation. Uh, only thing I can think of is two book by uh, the author is Blake Prout. And he's got two books. One is called Dark Matter, and one is called Recursion. Dark Matter deals with the multiverse implications of that. The main character has to, you know, do his thing in the multiverse. The other one deals with, it's really hard to explain, but it has to do with time and, like, going back in timelines and stuff like that. They're both very, very good, like, near-future sci-fi thrillers. Highly recommended, if that sounds interesting to you at all i would rate this book i think like an eight i liked the plot i i thought there was some really like cute things like i thought i thought the chess thing was actually kind of cute for like the message of the story or like the theme of the story it, it did get me to think a little bit more about my life just like how Nora was kind of like going through her lives i feel like for us and especially with the beginning where she was like oh my life is so horrible like you know, I got fired. My friends are not talking to me. Family's not talking to me. I feel like we've all been in that place before where we're like, everything is just going wrong. And then like something happens like to us, like significantly. And then it's kind of like, oh, at the very end, it really wasn't us. It's just like outside factors. And I think like for me personally, I experienced that in my life, like I'll have like a bad day and I'll be like, oh, everything's terrible and I'm a horrible person. And then I realize like it's all in my head. I think that's like kind of like what Nora was kind of going through in this book. And I just heavily related it to like related to it. And I think that's why I enjoyed this book a lot. So I give it an eight. For other books, I really don't know. Um, I was looking on Goodreads and I really, I looked at this one book called The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, which is like a high rating mm-hmm. and it se- and I was reading the plot and it seemed similar to what the Midnight Library is in a way and it seemed interesting and I tried to like see if I could check it out at the library and there's like a giant hold I think it said like 200 other people are waiting to get this book. And I'm like, okay, well. Oh, wow. I'm about to read that book also. I've actually got the audio book. I've got the audio book on hold at the library and it said approximately two weeks. So. Yeah. So I might have to wait for that one unless I like go on Goodreads or thrift books. That's a book I would recommend probably. That seems interesting. I would give this book a hard 10 out of 10 since we're all using the word hard to describe our ratings. (laughs) This is one of my favorite books that I've read in the past few years. I Again, I read this. This came out in 2020, so I read this when COVID was real bad. I read this when 
I was going through a lot of stuff and David was going through a lot of stuff and reading was just becoming a big thing that I was getting back into because I used to read a lot when I was a kid and then, you know, I became an adult and I stopped reading and then COVID happened and I started reading again. And it was just a big source of comfort for me to read. I think it's a very uplifting book. I think it's good to read for anyone who feels like they're going through a hard time or hitting like a milestone age. I 10 out of 10 would recommend this for anyone to read. Rereading this with friends was always a blast. I haven't read any of Kurt Vonnegut's books, but I've been told that the writing style of The Midnight Library is very similar to Kurt Vonnegut's books. So maybe look into that. Two books that I recommend that are kind of about like human resiliency are How High We Go in the Dark by Sequoia Nagamasu. Um, that's a pandemic book, basically book that came out during COVID, basically spanning the um, like time frame between ancient people and people in the future and how everyone like goes through hardships and how it reshapes people and humanity. And then there's another pandemic book called Survivor Song by Paul Tremblay that is basically about a pandemic, but it's rabies and it was also written during COVID and it's again a book about like facing really hard times and doing resiliency and all that this book also reminds me of oh my god uh, it's a wonderful life oh yeah yeah i was thinking the whole time i was like this is the it's a wonderful life like i feel like this is a story that's been told like probably throughout centuries you know just like the, like right. saw how scrooge scrooge saw his life just and, different iterations of it yeah mm-hmm. it's just yeah there's just different variations which is like it's interesting that's a, a theme that we have as a humanity. It's not like it's a wonderful life was the first one to even tell this story, but I just love that movie. And, you know, and he commits suicide in the movie or attempts to, and he has a miss Elm Hmm. in the movie. Hmm. So that's what it reminded me a lot of, but I thought it was really good. And I was just saying, Matt Haig actually mentioned that in the interview. Oh, really? Yeah. He talks about how, how he used to write before he wrote this book, he used to write a lot of stuff that was much more like cynical, dark depressing and he's like he transitioned as a writer and he's and he mentioned this book being more like a optimistic it's a wonderful life kind of style mm. feeling so it's interesting you said that interesting yeah if you want like words of comfort he wrote a memoir called the comfort book that i feel like marie you would probably really like because that has pretty words on it it does yeah i'm sorry y'all i'm just so basic i need like very pretty words. no yeah. you're fine i think that book would be like your cup of tea for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I like, I still think I'm always love to read any kind of book. It's just like ones that always like really make me like emotional and get me to start writing again are ones that have just beautiful writing. Like I'm reading um, On Earth We Are Beautifully Here or something. Uh, You recommended it to me. On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous. That's it. Yes. It's like one of those books where not much is happening. It's a memoir, but my God, every line is just chilling so i think even if you just want to go on goodreads and just sometimes i do that i just steal some pretty quotes just to read are you on goodreads is there a thing to do you be on it yeah, yeah you can like add people on it and everything there is what? a sort of like quasi social media yeah. shut aspect up to it. Oh. You can, like, <laughs> i'm learning so people. much today okay well i'll get on it and then i'll add y'all so i yes just please add quote. all of us yeah <laughs> Ooh, it's Brittany from the future we had a lot of guests come on this episode, 
Here are their ratings and reviews. I would rate The Midnight Library by Matt Haig an eight, maybe an eight and a half. I feel that this book came into my life at exactly the right time that it needed to. And I think it can be a pivotal book for anyone who's at a crossroads in their life is like, is this my purpose? Is my life as good as it could be? Could it be better if, you know, is the grass greener on the other side? Sometimes when we hit those milestones in our lives, those questions come up. And I think this book would work really well for those moments. Another book that reminds me of The Midnight Library, and I read about the same sort of time, is The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. Some similar themes that are in it. And I think it's also another really great book looking at that big picture of one's life and is it what you want it to be? highly recommend The Midnight Library. And I look forward to reading other books by author Matt Haig. This is Chelsea Tanner. I would give The Midnight Library five out of five stars. Um, I've read it twice now and both times I feel like I get something else from it. I get a new perspective from a life experience that I've had and I just really enjoyed all of the lives that Nora lives and getting to see things from a new perspective. So I really love this book and highly recommend if you haven't read it. I would give The Midnight Library an 8 out of 10 just because it's a little bit sad for my taste, but it is deep and I like that. So I give it an 8 out of 10. And a book I would recommend if you like this one would be Good Omens by Neil Gaiman, my favorite author. He wrote Coraline. I absolutely loved The Midnight Library. 10 out of 10 out of 10. It was just a fantastic book, and I would highly recommend it to pretty much anyone. All right. Well, before we wrap up, is there anything that y'all want to plug? Any podcasts, any social medias, any bands? (laughs) (laughs) Rainer, what band are you in? Uh, Concrete Supergun. We just release i guess it's at, actually at the beginning of this month we just put a new song up on spotify so you can go check us out adding that to my running mix <laughs> look for concrete super gun there it is i love thank you thank you <laughs> yeah i just have a show called the culture cult travel show i'm not really bad at seo so you have to type in the full damn name um but uh, yeah essentially the basis of it is that like it's okay to be ignorant and you just want to learn about other cultures, but also not taking shit seriously. So I just spin the globe, whatever country I land on, I tell a really fucking crazy story from that country. Um, this season, like we featured a guy who's like almost died like nine times. I'm actually interviewing an exclusive interview with someone who grew up in a cannibalistic tribe in Indonesia. Oh my Um, God. Yeah. But he's like, it's a beautiful story. It's not like sad. Like he's, I don't want to tell too much of it, but that's like, we're featuring Indonesia, Croatia, and the Azores. Is that next week, though? Is that next week? The Indonesian one? Is the Indonesian one next week? Or is... <laughs> um, that's the end of the season. That's, like, I'm actually interviewing him next month, and I'm kind of nervous because it's, like, I have a translator, and it's going to be... He's only been on, like, ABC Australia and then, like, my show, and I'm, like, what's going on? Oh, my God. On? Whoa. So I feel pressure. It's cool. Wow. Um, yeah. So essentially, yeah, I tell crazy stories from different countries, but the, uh, the thesis is to, like, always come empty-handed and just want to learn about other cultures and be have fun but it's also not pg it's kind of rated r so it's not like we t- we talk a lot of shit on there so but yeah not uh, culture, cult, 
travel show. That's it. <laughs> so all you kids that are listening to our explicit podcast, don't listen to yeah, her podcast. To <laughs> yeah, it's not kid friendly. It's like more PG rated R. PG 13, <laughs> let's say. That sounds cool. Uh, we'll definitely need to check it out. I'm piqued my interest for sure. Yeah, I definitely had so much fun coming on yeah. here though. And I genuinely want to read another book with y'all because I haven't started, read a book since <laughs> y'all came, reached out to me. Really? I've read a book before. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> I've actually never touched a book in my entire yeah. life. <laughs> Were you just spark noting her way through school? After <laughs> I finished my Hooked on Phonics course, then I started reading this book and it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> the first book I ever read. Hooked on Phonics. <laughs> oh my no. gosh yeah no we'll definitely send our list to you because we're yeah. always looking for um i want more new, like guests and stuff and you were fantastic and um as always you know listeners if you like our guests please let us know because yeah. we always you know we like hearing let our us know on apple podcast in a review or dm us on social media at fiddle and pipe on instagram or, oh yeah, we gotta plug yeah, our stuff. Or at Fiddle yeah. and Pipe on TikTok. <laughs> Forgot. Um, or at Fiddle and Pipe and Forum on Facebook. Wow, social media. Um, yeah. Or at Fiddle and Pipe <laughs> everywhere. And if you want to talk to us individually, you can find Catherine at Catfledge Flu on Instagram. You can find me at BM Ross on Instagram. Yeah. And we plugged it earlier, but we have a Patreon page. If you like what we do, please consider yeah. supporting us. Uh, you get different stuff you get like bloopers not takes we do two extra podcast shows we do a happy hour and we do a whole nother book series like we're reading uh we're just finishing 50 shades of gray <laughs> and we're starting verity by colleen hoover check us out yeah. patreon.com slash foot on pipe well thanks for joining us and listeners um our schedule got a little whack so we will come back to you shortly with our next book which is i don't even know what the art of gathering by priya parker that's it yes yes <laughs> and until next time we'll see you later bye bye